Hi, this is Rachel Sherman, and welcome to the FitFab and 40-something podcast, where each week we'll discuss issues surrounding health, wealth, fitness, and wellness to help you navigate your way through your 30s, 40s, and 50s. Hi, everybody, and welcome to podcast today. Um, today, I've got another guest speaker, which I'm very excited about, and I would love to introduce you to Jodie Marquette. Uh, Jodie, I think, is the epitome of fit, fab, and 40-something. Uh, over the past four years, she has lost a total of 50 kilograms um, and is currently in training for the WBFF bodybuilding competition, whenever it may be. So today we're going to chat about her journey, uh, about what it has taken, and all about prepping for the competition um, and her decision to do that. So welcome, Jody, and I hope you're having a fab day. I am, Rachel, and thank you very much for having me on the podcast today. No, my pleasure. So to kick us off, um, tell me a little bit about yourself, where you're from, your family, all that kind of thing. Yeah, um, so I live in Townsville in North Queensland. Um, I'm married and I have a 19-year-old son. Um, and as of uh, last week, I actually now have a nine-week-old Rottweiler puppy as well. Uh, so that's so an been another new child. <laughs> another new child. I, I was not expecting him to be quite so needy, but here we are. Um, in my day-to-day -day life, I'm just an ordinary, you know, wife and mum. I work as a financial advisor. Um, so that's a pretty full-on job five days a week. And in my spare time, I'm a self-confessed gym junkie. <laughs> it's a good thing to be. <laughs> so we mentioned that you've lost um, 50 kilos. So what was the impetus um, for you first deciding that you needed to lose some weight? Yeah, um, so it actually goes back um, exactly four years ago. So August uh, 2017. Um, I was sitting in my doctor's office, um, having had a battery of uh, tests done, trying to find out why I felt so crap. I mean, you know, the fact that I was 107 and a half kilos and I could see that in the mirror probably should have been the giveaway. But um, we always go to the doctor and, and want to rule out that it's, you know, everything else. Um, she was really good. Like she was so thorough in doing checks of everything. And one of the things that she did was she ordered a test that isn't actually commonly ordered. Um, and that was a fasting insulin test. So um, GPs tend to order fasting blood sugar tests a lot because that's the test which basically says you're diabetic or you're not diabetic. Mm. Um, but insulin resistance is a bit of a different one. So my insulin levels were four times higher than normal, wow. but my blood sugar levels, because my insulin levels were so high, were actually just at the high end of normal. So mm. I would I would have always passed the blood sugar test with a bit of a, oh, you know, it's the high end of the spectrum, but you're not diabetic. Um, and it's only that she did that, delve, you know, delved a bit deeper and came up with the fasting insulin test to sort of show that I'm insulin resistant, that we sort of realized that something was seriously wrong. Um, and she kind of sat there and, and, you know, my GP is not prone to being a, a dramatist. So she um, basically sat there and said, look, I hate to break this to you, but you're 
just you know a typical person who's going to end up with diabetes or heart disease or worse you're fat you're female and you're 40 you need to do something about this and I probably had heard her you know sort of refer to those things a little bit before but I don't know just in in conjunction with the fact that she you know brought up the issue of being borderline type 2 diabetic I just something clicked in my head and I went I've really got to address this now it just can't go on like this and I think sometimes you have to be in that right space to do something about it don't you like you can hear it a hundred times in from all different people and different things and see it but it's something it's the right time and the right person and perhaps even the right delivery um but you have to be in the right space to to really say yes I'm going to do something about it yeah, I think you have to be in the right space in terms of who delivers the news to you and, and how you you receive it. But I think you also have to have reached a point where you go, you know what, I'm kind of sick of my own BS. Um, yes. I'm making excuses and I, and I know I'm making excuses. I need to quit it and I need to get on with this. So yeah. I think um, there was a lot of issues that have came up because, you know, it wasn't just the insulin resistance. It was the fact that I suffered from high blood pressure, I had constant migraines and cluster headaches, irritable bowel. Um, I was just generally a very stressed out, worn down individual um, and starting to develop sleep apnea. Um, I certainly was at a weight where I couldn't even lie comfortably on my back because the weight of my um, breasts and my body weight pressing down on my lungs meant I I felt like I actually couldn't breathe when I lay flat on my back. Um, Just little things. I couldn't you know, Townsville's a hot place. Mm. You know, it's, it's uh, summer. Summer here is, is diabolical. Um, I couldn't walk up the street with a work colleague to get lunch and actually hold a conversation with them as we walked the two blocks up to the sushi shop. They used to have to hold the entire conversation all yeah. the way there and all the way back because all I could do is actually walk and huff and puff. So, yeah. so in that right space, what what was your first step then? Yeah, um, well, I, I, I tried the usual cop-out. I can't lose weight. I've tried everything. <laughs> and uh, she looked at me and she said, have you really, though? Yeah. And I kind of went, no, probably not. <laughs> um, what I, what I, what I had you tried, on your BS. Yeah. <laughs> what I had tried was a lot of fad dieting and I'd had yeah. some success. I mean, like I'd been through um, Atkins, um, you know, that sort of, uh, I'd been through Weight Watchers, I'd been through Tony Ferguson shakes. Um, and, and it's not to say that those things don't work for people. It's just that they didn't work for me because what I found is that that was not a lifestyle decision. That was a diet and it had an end date. Yeah. And each time that I went on one of those diets, I was really, really good at sticking to it. Like, I, and I had great results. I'd lose like 20 or 25 kilos and everyone would be like, wow, Jodie, you're looking amazing. And then I'd get to the end of the period of of when I decided I was dieting for and I'd put all of it back on plus an extra five. And and that yo-yo up and down just went on for the best part of two decades. And Mm. this time around, I just sort of went, you know what, Um, I can't go through another fad dieting phase or some of the crazy shit I used to do back in my um, 20s. So um back in my 20s when I was like a little skinny mini but I had a really unhealthy relationship with food and I'd do things like go to the gym and get on the treadmill and just burn the exact number of calories that were in a big mac and then go to Macca's and buy a big mac 
and and yeah. so stupid stuff like that and and I kind of went I really need to go back to basics I need to build a new lifestyle for myself from the ground up starting with exercise starting with nutrition and learning as much as I possibly can about this um so my first steps were I walked out of her office um I went straight to the nearest bookstore and bought everything I could find on insulin resistance and type 2 diabetes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went home and I got on Facebook and I said, hey, everybody, does anyone know a good exercise physiologist? Because frankly, I'm going to need one. I'm too scared to go to a regular person gym. And I made the phone call within three days of getting a recommendation um, to go and, and meet up with this exercise physiologist. Um, meanwhile, I was, you know, sort of uh, deep into my first book of reading about insulin resistance. Mm. And uh, yeah, I just kind of went from there. Okay. I think, yeah, you've made a very good point there uh, in that. I mean, I, I would have done exactly the same. I have done that many diets and tried it all. And as you say about, you know, going to the gym and burning off the exact amount of calories that you needed I can remember being in university and our the gym that I went to um, was up the top of a shopping center so I would (laughs) I would go to the gym do like a one of the one of the Les Mills classes then I would go downstairs to the food court and have a bacon and egg McMuffin for breakfast like (laughs) It's just, it's crazy the things that we do. But the point that I was going to make is that, you know, people will try all these diets, but they're not sustainable. They're not long-term. And and we have to start thinking about what lifestyle changes we can make, whether it's with fitness or whether it's nutrition, things that we can continue um, in a sustainable manner every single day. Um, for the next 10, 15, 20 years. And that's what's really going to make a difference rather than all of these crazy diets that we decide to go on uh, over the years. So yeah, um, it, it's, um, it's so true that that um, that little tweak, the, the first little tweak I made was to actually go and put on the only pair of sand shoes I owned, which were just this grubby old pair that were just hanging around in the bottom of the cupboard because obviously I didn't exercise. And I literally put them on and I went for a walk around. um, There's a lake near my house. I went for a man-made lake. Went for a walk around that lake. It's about two and a half kilometres around the lake. It took me about um, probably an hour to walk that two and a half kilometres because I was huffing and puffing so badly. And I just made it my mission to go for that walk every day. And, and, um, you know, I still still go for that walk every single day without fail. I go walking around the lake. Um, which I know you saw recently with um, my new puppy in a pram. (laughs) And that's it. You just have to start. You just have to make those little changes um, and those little changes then become the norm and then you make more little changes and they become the norm and it just continues like that um, until you you can improve on, on most things in your life. So um, you got an exercise, you used an exercise physiologist. When, um, when did you, did you get a, a personal trainer on top of that or you just kind of winged it yourself or was your exercise physiologist kind of um, taking the, the spot of a trainer? 
Um, yeah, so look, an exercise physiologist is someone who helps uh, people with impaired health um, begin to exercise in a safe way. So they do kind of do personal training-like services, but they obviously target those services to people who have um, health impediments. Um, and, you know, for me, the very first session was very confronting because he was sort of like, let's see where your baseline fitness is. And he actually had me stepping up and down just my own body weight, uh, all 107 and a half kilos of me, mm-hmm. um, off a, a little tiny step, um, just back, just stepping up and down off this step. Well, 15 minutes into my session with him after sort of doing that and a couple of other things, I was actually flat on my back on the floor and he had to put a blood pressure cuff on me. Mm-hmm. Um because I was, you know, yeah, I was, I was basically, my heart was racing. It was, it was incredible how unfit I actually was. Um, so I worked with him for about, um, would have been nearly four months. And after the end of the fourth month, he basically said, uh, yep, Jody, you're actually now sort of, you know, healthy enough to be considered general population or gen pop is the term they use. Yes. Um, I don't actually train gen pop people. I think what you should do is go next door to the gym and, and work out there. Uh, and I went, mm, too scared. No. No, no deal. Um, got, not happening. <laughs> yeah, not happening. Um, but I got really lucky. A friend of mine actually worked out at that same gym and, and she took me under her wing and sort of took me into the gym and we used to go in there. And, uh, you know, the funny part was we'd be in there for like an hour and I reckon we'd probably get about 20 minutes training done. <laughs> Because the rest of the time we'd just be like, la, la, la. Um, and, you know, I did that for a few months. And, and around about three months into that, I went, yeah, you know what? I'm not making any progress because we are spending too much time being social rather than actually training. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hired a, a personal trainer. And, yeah, I basically went from, you know, two sessions a week to three sessions a week to five sessions a week. And I've kind of never really looked back, um, although, I haven't actually used a personal trainer now since the beginning of last year. Um, I, I do have a, a bodybuilding coach, yep. but he's based in Melbourne. So he just gives me a program to do when I basically go on the gym floor and train myself. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you brought up the, the bodybuilding competition. So at what point was it that you, and, and kind of what brought it about, what point did you decide that you were going to go for this? Yeah, it, it's a bit of an interesting one. Um, WBFF do what's called a transformation category. And it was in 2019, yes, 2019, that I first became aware of this transformation category. And I had friends who were doing bodybuilding competitions with other federations, but I met a WBFF pro. And I got interested in what she was doing. And then I looked into, you know, the Federation and this transformation category came up and I saw um, a profile of a competitor named um, Natalie Hurst. Mm -hmm. And she had a very similar story to me. She was, you know, massively overweight and then she lost a lot of weight and uh, went on to do this bodybuilding competition and she actually won it. And I just kind of went, I want to do that not to win, but for myself, I want to do that to sort of like go, I can be the best version of myself. I can show other people that you can be the best version of yourself. 
um, and that in particular, you know, Natalie's quite a bit younger than me. I, I particularly wanted to show people our age, um, you know, I'm, I'm 46 now, that age is not a barrier to this. You, you can be 46 and still actually do this. Um, yeah. And so it took me about three months to actually say it out loud to another human being that this is what I wanted to do. And, yeah, three months of contemplating it and I all of a sudden just blurted out to, to one of, um, you know, my fellow gym goers one day, I'm going to do this competition. And they went, oh, we thought you said you'd never do a bodybuilding competition. I went, no, no, this is different. This is a transformation category. Like, this is what I'm doing. Um, and, yeah, you know what, everyone since then has been incredibly supportive. And um, for me personally, what I've done in the last year and a half that I've been working with a specialist bodybuilding coach has taken my physique to a level that even I wasn't sure was possible. Yeah. So I guess anything is possible if you yeah. work hard enough. And that's, uh, I think that's really uh, absolutely important. And I, I know you inspire me daily on Instagram because uh, I follow you on Instagram. You inspire me daily to keep going every single day. Um, I love watching your videos. Um, but I, I think, and it's something, and it's not something I've necessarily talked about with a lot of people, but it's been a secret little dream of mine uh, to one day compete in a bodybuilding competition. Um, but I I myself, I have that that kind of thing in the back of my head that says, yeah, but your body probably just can't change that much. Like, especially at your age, do you really think it's going to happen? And then I see you and what you've done and it it's like, pull your head in, Rachel. Anything is possible. As you say, anything is possible. Um, if you want it, you'll work towards it. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, um, bodybuilding really just comes down to being incredibly disciplined. There's just there's no other way of describing it as a lifestyle. Um, and, look, some people love it and some people don't, and it's not for everybody, and I, I fully accept that. Um, but even in terms of just being able to show people that your general fitness, regardless of what interest at the end of that general fitness there is, you know, whether you're someone who likes trail running or um, you want to go and compete in an Iron Woman or you want to just be able to run five kilometres around, you know, the, the trail near your house, um, that, you know, age is not a barrier. Um, it's just a case of taking that baby step and then the next baby step and the next baby step. And I never think about my goals from a macro perspective. Um, I, I've got a coach who takes care of that. Um, it's his problem to worry about the big picture. Yeah. My job is to check in with him every week and, and answer the same questions every week. Did you hit your diet? Yes. Did you do all of your steps? Yes. Did you hit every training session? Yes. Did you train with intensity? Yes. Yeah. Um, and if I do all of those things, the process just happens and it takes care of itself. Yeah. So, it, yeah, it's just just focusing on the, I think too many people when they start the weight loss journey, and, and certainly this is what I get when people contact me through Instagram, is they go, oh, I can't even, I can't even work out where to begin. I've got to lose like 40 kilos and I want to, I want to do what you, you're doing, but I just don't even understand how you can get from 107 kilos to 56 kilos. Like how did that happen? Yeah. It's like, one day at a time. That's how it happened. Yeah. Just one sure. day at a time. Yeah. And yeah. taking that first step. Yeah. And doing that first yeah. step, as you say, every single day. 
Yeah. And, and it, you know, like, and make the first step the next easiest thing to do. Mm. You know, so for me, leaving the doctor's office that day, the easiest thing to do was to go and buy a book and understand what it was that she was talking about because I'm a, I'm a bit of a bookworm and, and you know, I like to read um, about things that affect me personally. So there's a book on almost every subject sitting here in my office, to be honest with you. Um, and the next easiest step after that was to ask people, do you have a recommendation for an exercise physiologist? Now, the next easiest step after that was calling the exercise physiologist. And that was probably the first time I went, wow, this is actually hard mm. because it's hard to ring up someone and go, hey, I want to come and see you because I'm incredibly overweight. I'm classed as morbidly obese on the BMI charts and I need help. Yeah. That was probably the next, you know, hardest thing to do, but it was also the next easiest step. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So do you think uh, in in prepping for the bodybuilding competition, do you think it's been any more or any less challenging as a 40-something-year-old compared to a lot of these 20-year-olds that are doing it? Look, the, the biggest difference, um, and this is a conversation I do have with my coach pretty regularly, is that um, at 40-something, and having been incredibly overweight, I have obviously put my body through, you know, a lot of abuse. And so when I whinge about stretch marks and loose skin and cellulite and why doesn't my butt look like hers, essentially he reminds me that, you know, the person I'm comparing myself to is 20, never had a baby, never been overweight, never had, you know, any of the issues that I've had in terms of medical stuff. Um, is you know 20 years younger and has skin that's more resilient yeah doesn't um, have that so 20 years he of kind of reminds life. me to, yeah <laughs> you just yeah you've just you've just basically got to sort of put it in the context of don't be competing with who's out there compete with who you were yesterday mm-hmm. that's me every day I go am I better today than I was yesterday Am I better than I was last week? And am I better than I was a month ago, a year ago, two years ago? Yeah. Um, don't stay in your own lane because bodybuilding can be an incredibly destructive um, sport to take up if you're going to spend your time competing um, and, and comparing yourself with other people. So it's a bit of a, sounds like a bit of a conundrum where you sort of like go, I'm going in a competition, but by the way, don't think about it as a competition. <laughs> so you know like um yeah they're gonna they're gonna crown a winner on the day when I get up there on stage they're gonna say this person won is it gonna be me or is it gonna be someone else honestly who knows um but if it's not me I won't really care because at the end of the day I will consider that I'm a winner for having achieved that goal that's what I want to do yeah um and you know like just getting on the stage and being what I consider to be the best version of myself that I could possibly be on that day that will be enough reward for me. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it, it is really important with bodybuilding to sort of just dial it back in and, and not be comparing yourself with everyone. For sure. Um, have people reacted in a way that you might not have expected when um, with the, the significant weight loss, um, like in, in a negative way, I suppose I'm, I'm talking about, um, you will often find that people's friendship circles might change when they lose a, a significant amount of weight because the, 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 the goals don't align anymore. 
Have you found that? I probably wouldn't say that I've lost any friendships over it or, you know, sort of like significantly altered any relationships in my life. But I think I've been really lucky in that all of the people around me have been very, um, very much wanting me to make this change in my life for a long time. There are certainly friends that I spend less time with now than I used to. I, you know, I used to have a, a circle of friends that I catch up with basically every week. And the whole crux of the catch up was eating and drinking. Yeah. Particularly drinking. Yeah. And um, that now, obviously, I'm on a strict meal plan and I don't drink alcohol anymore. Um, basically, for me, I sort of go, well, look, I'd rather not be in that situation. So I do still catch up with them, but it is um, every few months. And when I do, I literally rock in there with my bottle of soda water and my food in a Tupperware container and just go, you know what, guys, go for broke, eat takeaway, drink alcohol, have a great time. I'm going to join you in having a great time, but I'm just going to be doing it on my terms. And that, yeah. that's what's important to me. Yeah. Um, and look, luckily enough, I've always been that person who could, you know, literally start the conga line off without a single alcoholic drink on board. So um, it, it doesn't really matter for me. <laughs> Um, what's been your biggest challenge, do you think, in, I suppose, over the past four years to begin with, uh, and then as you've really started to knuckle down in the, um, the bodybuilding and comp prepping, what has been your biggest challenge with those? Biggest challenge is learning to not use food um, to deal with emotions. So... I look back now at myself four years ago when I was starting this journey and I was a very, very unhappy person. I wasn't in a good work situation. Um, I, you know, I, there was a lot of stresses going on. There was a lot of uh, baggage from my past that I hadn't really dealt with. And my fallback position was always food, you know. Um, I'm sad, food. I'm lonely, food. I'm bored, food. I'm angry, food. I'm happy, food you know like it it was always just you know eat and eat to the point of um like some of the binges that I've been on have been you'd laugh if I described them to you it's just it's incredible to think that somebody could actually eat the way that I used to eat yeah so learning to deal with my emotions without using food as the solve all you know sort of thing um that that's been the um the hardest part for me and, and I still occasionally, if I'm going to, if I have a lapse, it'll be emotionally triggered. It's not yeah. that I'm genuinely hungry. If I have a lapse, it'll be that I just had an emotional moment that I couldn't get on top of. And I just suddenly found myself putting something in my mouth that I shouldn't have. Yeah. Emotional, our emotional connection with food, I think, is probably something that 99% of people would struggle with. Um, and and a lot of us don't really think about it too. And it's not just um, it's not just our reaction uh, to an emotional situation where we want to eat. It can be as small as, and this is probably something quite common for our generation, as small as, um, for me, I can't stand leaving food on a plate because I was brought up uh, yeah. by, <laughs> I was brought up with mum saying, um, you can't waste that. You know, there are kids starving in Africa. Uh, so yes. I, in my mind, 
And, and that's an emotional connection with food that we often don't explore. But in my mind, I cannot leave something on a plate because I half back to my childhood um, when I was told that. And I think it's a very common thing that we, we often don't even consider. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, the, um, the thing for those of us who are, who are mothers um, is that we are of that generation where you're right. My mum used to say exactly the same thing to me. You can't leave food on your plate. There are kids starving in Africa. I don't know. It must have been a real thing for mums back then. Um, and, uh, you know, we have children. And, of course, toddlers are picky eaters. You know, I'm not eating my Vegemite sandwich today because you cut it in squares instead of triangles. Yeah. So, you know what, you sit there and you eat it instead because you don't want to see that food wasted. Mm. So the, the bad habits with food for me and the overeating for me um, very much started when my son was a toddler, you know, yeah. and, and I spent 20 years, I mean, he's now 19 years old and I still find myself picking off his plate sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so so you've, you've, you've really got to deprogram how you feel about food and, and just little things like serving yourself less food. If you're yeah. worried about leaving food on the plate, serve yourself less of it. Yeah. Um, if you want more after you've eaten what's on your plate, by all means, go back and get a second helping. But just... Yeah, my yeah, trainer sorry. suggested something to me too, um, and she said, uh, "If if your daughter leaves food on the plate, um, you have to remove yourself from that situation. In that, it's not your wastage that you need to be guilty about; it's hers. So, um, yeah, kind of changing changing the way that you think about it all um, as well has helped me uh, with that." So <laughs> um, we talked about your challenges. What about what has been the best thing um, uh, about, again, uh, the, the weight loss and the getting healthier and fitter and also the comp prep? Um, look, honestly, it's the, it's the energy. Um, yeah. I just, you know, I bounce out of bed at 5 o'clock in the morning. Um, I exercise. I feel energetic. Uh, I don't... You know, I'm never tired or lethargic or, you know, um, I, I just have seemed to have, the more I exercise, the more energy I seem to have, which seems counterproductive, but it's how it works. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just, just feeling like I can do so much more um, when people say, hey, do you want to go and try this? Um, and a big one for me was a couple of years ago, my husband said, hey, there's an indoor rock climbing place in Townsville. You want to try that? Now, I'm terrified of heights. So <laughs> <laughs> you can just imagine how this went down. I was like, yeah, yeah, okay. Anyway, next thing you know, I'm in a harness and halfway up a, a bloody wall and, and <sighs> sort of looking at them, you know, and, and it's just something I never would have tried before. I never would have uh, gotten out of my comfort zone. So, yeah, the, the added energy and then just from a really, you know, it sounds vain, a really cosmetic perspective, oh, man, do I love being able to walk into any shop and just find an outfit that fits? For sure. And looks yep. good? Yeah. Like, Oh, the battle I used to have trying to find, you know, corporate wear when I was a size 20, you know, trying to look professional as a size 20 lady is, is you know, it's next level hard. And, yeah. yeah, just being able to walk into a shop and go, that looks cute and put it on and it fits. That yeah. The first time that that happened was um, I walked into Portland's and I bought a, a size 16 fitted um, work dress because I had to go to Sydney for a conference and I, I really needed something a little bit classier than what I was wearing. And I walked into this Portman store and I picked this dress up and I looked at it and I was like, mm, it's pretty fitted. Yeah. And I remember putting it on and zipping it up and just thinking, 
oh my god it fits and it looks good and I actually sat in the change room and I cried and I called my friend and I said I'm in a change room at Portman and she thought I was crying because obviously nothing fit and she's like she started down the hole it's okay babe you know I can come shopping with you we'll find something I'm like no no you don't understand I've just found something and she's like, I don't understand. It's, well, I'm, I'm just so happy I had to share this with you. And she's yeah. like, so you're sitting in a change room crying because you're happy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, you must be pretty pleased too. I see that you've recently done a, um, a photo shoot and look pretty damn schmick in that photo shoot too. Yeah, again, it's one of those moments where the first thing you do when you see the photo is you turn around to the photographer and you go, is that me? And they go, uh, well, yeah, it yeah. wasn't anyone else. <laughs> so so um, I, yeah, it, I, was, I was blown away. Yeah, fab- fabulous. I am a photographer um, as well and um, do uh, predominantly newborn photography but also do boudoir photography and get a lot of that, a lot of women in t- coming into the studio um, and have never seen themselves in that light before uh, and I'll show them you know the back of the camera um, quickly in the middle of a photo shoot and they'll just be like get out <laughs> that's not me it's like it is absolutely you so yeah, yeah we need to change the way that we look us look at ourselves as yeah. women too I think you touched a little bit on it but I wanted to find out how you think that exercise has affected your mental health yeah, look, that's a huge one, Rachel, um, and, and it's a serious topic. So um, I basically suffered with depression and anxiety pretty much my whole adult life, um, stemming back to a couple of incidents that happened to me when I was in my you know, mid-teens and um, you know, some inappropriate um, advances by an adult who was responsible for me. Um, and a, you know, sort of like some bullying at high school as well. And this is where a lot of, um, you know, the pain points in my life have sort of really sprung from. And, and it's, it, it's a little hard to talk about, obviously. Um, but I ate to cover the pain and mm. ate to make myself feel better. And it didn't do anything because you eat and then you gain weight, then you look at yourself in the mirror, then you hate on your body. So then you sort of like go, wow, I really am the awful person that they told me I was, or I really am, you know, sort of like this, you know, this not this person that I want to be. And you, it just spirals out of control. Yeah. Um, and really taking control of my health and fitness has really given me back my mental health. I mean, look, you can say it till the cows come home. Um, exercise gives you endorphins. Endorphins are good things. They make you feel happy. Um, and, and you say it over and over and people sort of like, go, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But when you've truly experienced it, when you, when you sort of know that you've left work in a really bad mood, you've had a stressful day, you're, you're cranky just at, at the universe, and I go into the gym and I get on the treadmill and I warm up and then I go and throw some weights around for a couple of hours and I walk out of there and I'll be like just, happy just pumped I'm just sort of like you know that was a really good session I feel really good the day is done I can't help what happened in it you know reset and forget go back to it tomorrow 
um, yeah, it, it's the, the mental health benefits of exercise. I just can't state highly enough. And I genuinely can't remember. No, I can. <laughs> I was going to say, I can't remember the last time I had an episode of anxiety, but I did have a few anxious moments um, in, in April this year because I, I had to go to the Gold Coast and I had to get a hire car by myself and drive myself from Brisbane Airport to the Gold Coast, which is where I used to be from. And I've driven on those roads a hundred times, but for some reason in my head, that was so much harder than it should have been because my husband just usually travels with me and he normally takes care of all of the hire car stuff. And I was going to be doing it on my own. So that was the last time I had a truly anxious moment. And it's really funny. I actually coped really well that I sort of went, eh, you know what, what's the worst that can happen here? I've got insurance on the vehicle if something happens to the vehicle. I do know the roads. I've got GPS maps on my phone anyway. And you know what? Once I was there and doing it, I was fine. But um, it, that's the first time in a very, very long time that I've had any kind of um, little bit of anxiety at all. Um, and I certainly can't remember the last time I experienced anything that I would call depression. Yeah. It's funny how things that we used to just do as commonplace when you know we were younger you get to this age and it's like you become so much more fearful of things it's it's I don't I can't explain it but I think everyone would understand it and it's just ordinary things that you become fearful of yeah a little bit (laughs) of analysis paralysis I think maybe we sort of like you know overanalyze what could be you know, oh, but, you know, if that happens, then this happened. And what if that happens? I've got to do this. And, you know, I think we, I think we overthink things. I think sometimes oh. we've just got to trust ourselves. Absolutely. Trust, trust, that, trust that we've made it. You know, and I, I said this to a girl in the gym the other day and she laughed at me, but it's true. Um, it really doesn't matter what today throws at me because I'm on a really good track record here. I've survived 100% of the days that I've lived so far. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> So, Jody, what would be your biggest tip for somebody uh, in the same position as you were four years ago? I would say that it's about um, please don't think about losing weight or going on this journey as um, something that has an end date. Don't think about it as a diet. Don't think about it as I'm going to do a challenge or I'm going to do a you know, um, you know, eight week blitz or, you know, sort of whatever, try and think about this as I need to start a new lifestyle. And the way to do that is just literally consistency. And it's one habit at a time. And don't try and change everything all at once. Don't go, uh, last week, I ate, you know, three pizzas, two, two lots of KFC and, and drank six litres of Coke. And this week, I'm going to literally eat nothing except fruit and vegetables. And, um, you know, live a completely different lifestyle and exercise every single day. Don't do that to yourself because you will fail um, and then you'll feel worse about yourself and then you'll mm-hmm. go backwards even further. So if if you've gone from, you know, the week of, of, you know, eating crap and not exercising, then the next week just maybe cut down. Just go, you know what, well, last week I drank six litres of Coke, this week I'm going to drink four litres of Coke and last week I didn't go for any exercise at all, so this week I'm just going to go for a walk around the block. Um, and then when you've been doing that consistently for, a, a, you know, a while, add in the next step and then add in the next step and then add in the next step. And, th- and that's all that I did was, um, you know, people people sort of like, oh, you lost a lot of weight, um, you know, but I didn't lose it quickly. Like my first, my first goal was to get to 
five kilos because that would put me at a healthy BMI. It would put me at 24.99 to mm. be precise, which was just inside the healthy healthy range. Um, and it's really, yeah, it was really funny. I actually don't even really believe in BMI that much anymore. Um, but I had this goal and it took me um, 50 weeks to lose what was in effect 34 kilos. Mm. That's That's what I had to lose to reach that goal. So it wasn't fast. It wasn't, you know, sort of like two or three kilos a week. It was sometimes less than half a kilo a week, but it was just consistently changing my habits over that year. And when I got to the end of that first year and sort of went, wow, um, things I've ticked off. Well, I'm down, you know, two dress sizes. I'm down, um, you know, 34 kilos. I just run my first ever five kilometer race in in the Townsville Running Festival um, I go to the gym every day now and I walk every day now. And I sort of went, you know what, that's a pretty good achievement for a first year. Um, let's see what we can build on in the second year. Yeah. And, you know, so each, each year after that has just been about getting more and more refined with those habits and, and more consistent yes. um, with those habits. And, you know, if you're not, you're not on a bodybuilding comp prep. <laughs> In all honesty, I advocate um, an 80-20 approach to life because I think life has to happen, right? So um, as recently as, you know, sort of like um, May last year, I was eating pizza once a week because I like pizza. Um, this year I went on a conference in February um you know and I was like said to my coach well, you know what I'm going on a conference the, the food's going to be not in alignment with my nutrition plan I'm not going to be able to exercise the way that I normally would I'm sorry I'm just going to have four days off and I did I ate and I drank and I didn't exercise too much and and I enjoyed myself yeah and that's okay yeah you know? for sure so um your comp was meant to be last month <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah, where's the, where's everything um at with um the bikini um comp prepping yeah the um the tale of the never-ending comp prep um <laughs> so uh it was supposed to be july 17 and then COVID. um so they moved it to the 23rd of august yeah. uh that date has now actually been cancelled because it yeah. was in sydney um, and my registration has been transferred to October um, 23 on the Gold Coast. Yeah. I don't know whether that will actually happen, that comp. Um, in, a, in actual fact, right now, I'm in what's called a reverse diet, which is where we've been obviously shredding down to go on stage in late August and you can't stay on low calories. And then this is, again, this is a thing that people don't understand about dieting. The longer you stay on low calories, the more metabolic damage you're actually doing to yourself. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I was on some pretty low calories. I got down to about 1,500 calories a day. Um, I'm now back up to nearly 2,000 calories a day. Um, and, you know, my weight has held steady because we've done it the right way, which is just, you know, gradually increasing the calories um, and making sure that my body adapts to, the, you know, each change that we make in my diet. Um, so I'm reverse dieting and if I need to do this comp at the end of October, if it does look like it's going ahead and I do decide that that's what I'm doing, um, I'll probably have another eight-week shred down yep. um, to sort of look forward to. But, um, yeah, hey, this is bodybuilding. It's not, <laughs> um, not for the faint of heart. So. Well, fingers crossed that the comp happens, uh, obviously not just for you, but for all the people that are prepping out there. 
Um, a lot yeah. of people had the October comp um, the, in their mind as the, what the one they were going for already, and then a lot of people from July have have switched over. So, um, oh, I think it would be heartbreaking, but um, obviously just one of the things, another one of the things we have to contend with at the moment with COVID. But um, fingers crossed, it all goes ahead for you. So. Um, uh, a, a few little fitness questions for the end. What's your fave thing to train? I love training shoulders, Yeah, uh, which is a bit unusual. Most people are like, oh, I love training legs. And, you know, in particular, I love training glutes. Um, no, I, I love training shoulders. Um, I'm, I'm quite strong through the shoulders. And uh, my favourite thing to do with shoulders is um, I really like to go into the gym and then shock the hell out of some of the guys in there by lifting <laughs> weights they're probably lifting. So that's that's one of my favourite things to do. Awesome. Um, yeah. And um, fave food at the moment or fave meal at the moment? Yeah, I got this really kick-ass afternoon tea happening at the moment so I basically get a tub of Yopro and um, a green apple and a Corella pear and then I basically get some toasted um, oats across the top of that and it's just yeah it's delicious and and it's very very filling um, like it's a full bowl full of food so it's, it's a very filling afternoon tea and yeah that would be the highlight of my day at the moment awesome perfect well, thank you so much for chatting to us today, Jody. And as I said, fingers crossed and we wish you well for um, October uh, or whenever it may happen. Um, I'm sure you will smash it out there on stage. Um, and I think you've um, you've given us some great things to think about and um, we, uh, we've definitely enjoyed listening to your story. So thank you so much. No problems. Thanks for having me on, Rachel. Thanks for listening to the Fit, Fab and 40-something podcast. As always, I'd love it if you could take a screenshot from whichever platform you're listening on and share it on your social media. And don't forget to tag Fit, Fab and 40-something podcast on Instagram. Until next time, see you later.